Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Come and knock on our door. It's episode number 71 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most unpredictable Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is the Duke of New York himself, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? Uh, You know, I'm all right. Liam, do you get uh, depressed at this time of the year, this this very uh, kind of end of winter getting right into spring? I don't know if I would say this particular time of year. I would say the entirety of winter is a downer for me. Um, well, I guess that's it, it, it. All of winter post Christmas, because as much as I find Christmas kind of ridiculous, I don't hate it. But as soon as Christmas is over, it's like, oh, no, it's still winter. And that gets me kind of down. <laughs> That's You're talking about literally three months of depression following uh, Christmas, Liam. That must be really difficult on you. Must be even more difficult on your wife and young child. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, for me, that's just life. But I'm sure for them, it's a real like, oh, why do we even bother? You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's no answer to that, but. But aside from your crippling depression, you must be very much looking forward to spring having sprung just recently at the time that we're recording this. Oh, I mean, are, is this you leading up to the horrible snowpocalypse we had yesterday? Because, you know, now that no you mentioned spring it here at all, <laughs> is there a lot of snow on the ground in uh, Pennsylvania, Liam? Uh, it snowed in East in 10 inches yesterday. Liam, I have a question for you. Yeah. I was on the, uh, Facebook yesterday, and I have a friend who lives in Pennsylvania, and they were listing the good things that come out of Pennsylvania, and they had a very, very short list. The suggestion was nothing good ever came out of Pennsylvania. Can you list, for the listeners of Eric Roberts as the fucking man, three good things that came out of Pennsylvania? Um, sure, I could probably do that. Okay, uh, wait, we'll come back talking, to that. Are we talking about things? <laughs> are we talking about things or people? Well, you know what? Let's leave the the net wide open. But uh, but I I was thinking uh, people for sure, um, not counting yourself, Liam. Of and of course your lovely wife and your child, which of course are the three best things to come out of Pennsylvania. Um, I would say this is going to be terrible, but um, I would say uh, Brian De Palma. Okay. I would say. Um, oh, this is bad. Oh, I need you to edit this out because I can't nope, remember his name. I shall not. Joe Dante. <laughs> Joe Dante. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Number three. And um. Uh, shut up, Liam. Today's guest is a social activist, writer, radio show host, and too many other things to mention. It's Kimmy Acapo. How you doing, Kimmy? Hello, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Kimmy. But I'm mostly great because you're here to walk us through a very important topic. On today's show, I usually don't give it away this early in the show, but today we're going to be talking about Grey's Anatomy. It's uh, it's the television uh, uh, phenomenon, at least it was a few years ago. Now I don't think anyone cares about it, but people are still watching it. Kemi, there's like 30 seasons of this show. Okay, there's like 14, but okay. you know, <laughs> almost halfway to 30. 
Well, I exaggerate for effect, <laughs> but there's still that's a lot of episodes of this hour long hospital drama. You know, you're right. It is. And to me, it's sort of like my generation's. Oh, shoot. What was that show called? Days of Our Lives or whatever? I think Days uh, of Our Lives still airs. My goodness. Well, there was there was there's Days of Our Lives and then there was another General one. Hospital is probably the one you're thinking of. No, no, no? it's another okay. like daytime, but I can't remember. But yeah, it's like it has gotten to the point where like this is ridiculously long, but I've been watching since season one and I've invested this much time and I'm sticking through it. Well, we're gonna get all of your thoughts on Grey's Anatomy. And you are going to give us, you're going to get us up to speed on the episode that we're going to watch for this particular, I mean, I can't, there can't be that much plot in the 13 seasons before the episode that Liam and I watched, which we should note right at the beginning was the first full episode of of Grey's Anatomy that either of us have ever watched. Uh, We came in, we came in cold, but we ended hot, right, Liam? Liam, I need you to say yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, Holy yeah. shit! What's what's going on over there, Liam? <laughs> I was, but <laughs> I was trying to say, like, you know, I came in cold in a sense, as as did you. But but I mean, maybe it's different for you. But uh, for me, the the past whatever thirteen seasons, Grey's uh-huh. Anatomy has been part of the cultural conversation. In other words, it's not like um, we watched. It's not like when we watched Witchblade and it was a total mystery. Like Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy, it's like I was kind of like, okay, Jesse Williams, sure, he's on this show. The, the mystery for me more was because the episode we watched had only Jesse Williams. I thought, is everyone else on this show fired? It's just a Jesse Williams show now. I don't even know. Well, we'll get we'll get into all of those details, Liam. A lot of really interesting questions to ask. I did not know much about Grey's Anatomy going in, and I'm not sure I know that much more about it leaving that episode. But Kemi, before we talk about any of that, I need to mm-hmm. ask you, what do you know about Eric Roberts? <laughs> I know you know one uh, thing. Not much. Yeah, I know that he is Julia Roberts' brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So I know two things about him. I know that he was on Grey's Anatomy, and I know that he was on The L Word, and that he was Falcone in The Dark Knight. It sounds like you have a pretty strong background on the whole Eric Roberts thing, if you ask me. Well, but I know five things about him, and that's about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere. Now, what sense do you get of him as an actor or a person (laughs) from, from this work that you've experienced? Well, I feel like he's one of those actors where it's like he's not super famous, but he's in everything. So I feel like he's a good, I guess, character actor is what they're called. Like mm-hmm. someone's like, we need a guy to play this role. They're like, who, who is semi-recognizable that is pretty good actor, but we don't have to pay oodles of money. They're like, Eric Roberts, let's call him up. Because I briefly looked at his IMDb page mm-hmm. and he does a lot of stuff. When we asked Eric Roberts about that, he says that he he works he basically accepts just about anything that he's offered. I think he was joking at the time, but who knows? I mean, frankly, Kimmy, and we've mentioned this a number of times on the podcast previously. Um, the whole concept behind the podcast had very little to do with my specific interest in Eric Roberts as an actor, and a lot more to do with the fact that his IMDb page was so exceedingly and ridiculously long that it could support a podcast that could go on. Ad finitum. Isn't that right, Liam? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's. I feel like we'll give up before he does. Oh, well, I mean, he might give up. I mean, look, we. I don't want to think about this day, but he might give up living before we're done. But I mean, <laughs> even when he 
is no longer when now when he's skipped off this mortal coil. There's still going to be lots of projects just waiting in the wings. It's like uh, opening up the the vault, like opening Al Capone's vault, right, Liam? Sure, that sounds right. Liam, what was in Al Capone's vault? <laughs> uh, Geraldo Rivera's broken dreams. What's up with Geraldo Rivera? Kemi, <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw this one to you. Geraldo Rivera, yay or nay? Uh, is this a bad time to say I have no idea who you're talking about? Not at all. In fact, uh, I would be surprised if you knew who I was talking about. Geraldo Rivera had a talk show in the 1980s, kind of a uh, um, a Sally Jesse Raphael type talk show. Hey, that might be a reference you don't recognize either. Uh, what would be a good contemporary version? That was like a tabloid type show. And now he's a Fox News contributor. So you can probably imagine oh. this sort of... Yeah, so you can probably imagine that he's a real piece of shit. Liam, would you agree I'm with that? I'm going to say too? nay. <laughs> nay. Nay on the Geraldo <laughs> Rivera. Nay from you, Liam? Yeah, he's not great. Why is that? Um, <laughs> I, He... I don't know. We kind of get in trouble every time we say anything political on this particular. Do we? <laughs> Do I? I? I can't imagine. What's funny is that we have such a small audience already, right? So cutting that in half by talking about our extreme political beliefs, I feel like that can only be a good thing for the show. I feel like finding Geraldo Rivera to be a giant dildo is not exactly a uh, extreme political belief, but just common sense. Like you can then you know, admit that you understand the world because he is the worst. He's kind of a chud in a lot of ways. Oh, very strong language on this episode. He's not great. He's always saying awful things. And he wasn't before he was a political type. His was also bad at his job. So now it's you add on to it that he's insufferable and it makes it even worse. Kemi, when's the first time you were aware of Grey's Anatomy? Um, I feel like I was in high school when it came out, um, and it was, so I grew up in West Africa, and I, like, we were, we were always sort of, like, a season behind of everything in terms of, like, Mm -hmm. we had to wait till the season came out on DVD, and then folks would, like, mail it to us, and then we would watch it. So I was, I, I was always, like, a year behind, uh, but I'm pretty sure that I was in high school when I first heard about it. And what was it that appealed to you about the show at that time? I mean, it had a lot of kind of cultural cred. It had a lot of uh, uh, notice behind it. People were talking about it all the time. It was very much a water cooler show at that time. Yeah, I think uh, I honestly, I think it was like everyone else was talking about it. And I just wanted to be part of what uh, sort of everyone else was watching. It was like a a thing, like we would all go over to someone's house and then watch, um, you know, three or four episodes together. And then the next week we'd go over to someone else's house. So it was more like a communal thing as opposed to the show itself. But I always like medical dramas. They're interesting. It's interesting to watch people who have no idea what they're talking about try and sound like they are doctors. (laughs) When you started watching it, what did you recognize the appeal of it right away? And could you communicate what that appeal is to Liam and me? (laughs) Well, okay. So I think... um, most well this is one criticism that i've heard of grays is that most mm-hmm. of the doctors on gray's anatomy tend to be um unusually attractive <laughs> uh like there's not like an average looking person on that uh show the, so they're all like super attractive and they all have like there's a lot of drama right so on top of like mm-hmm. the medical stuff there's like um 
oh, so-and-so is married to this person, but that other person is now sleeping with this person. And just wait until they find out. And it's going to be such drama. So it was, I think it was a drama that really pulled me in when I was in high school because high school. Um, sure. Uh, but also just everyone was super attracted. I mean, they had two doctors named McDreamy and McSteamy. So oh. where do you where do you go from there? <laughs> that's, that's a very good question. Liam, McDreamy or McSteamy? I don't remember which one's which. Is McDreamy? Neither do I. Wait, McDreamy. McDreamy that's, um... is Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, okay. that's what I thought. Patrick Dempsey. And then who's Mc... Wait, who's McSteamy? I don't know his real name. I just know him as McSteamy. He's look. like super attractive. <laughs> look, here's here's the reality. Uh, Jesse Williams Uberalis. All right, I don't care about anything Goodness. else. Okay. Well, I actually want to make something very clear before we get into the Roberts report and we get onto the show proper is that we are not here to mock either Grey's Anatomy or the fans of Grey's Anatomy. We recognize <laughs> that we, uh, meaning Liam and myself, are coming in cold. We do not have context for this show. I am not going to condemn people who love it because I know people who watch it, very uh, educated people and, and very respectable people like Kemi here, uh, that that uh, I respect their opinions. So it, I feel like there's something of worth here. I just want to understand it. And of course, we're coming at it from the worst possible way, watching not only an individual episode well into its run, probably well past its peak according to a lot of people. But also, it's an episode that features almost none of the regular cast, uh, just like two of them for the most part. Very much a bottle episode to some extent. So it doesn't really give an indication what the quality of the show in general is. That said, there is some ridiculous things that we need to talk about in regards to this particular episode, uh, but we're not going to get to that yet. First, we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 71 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts, the actor, on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Back on March 16th, Eric Roberts was tweeting. Actually, he was tweeting a lot about uh, his stepson, Keaton Simons. He tweeted on March 16th, listening to Keaton Simons on radio. He's like a effing encyclopedia. Remembers to give props to everyone he's ever played with or even ever met. And this plays right into a tweet from March 13th, where he's uh, Eric Roberts is replying, or quote, tweeting, from uh, Sail Across the Sun, which is at Train Cruise. And Eric says, One of the best things ever is seeing little kids dancing at concert. Great picks. Feels like being there. So I want to talk about Sail Across the Sun. Uh, for those who haven't been on uh, many cruises, uh, Liam, I'm sure you've been on a few cruises in your life. Uh, only one ever. Okay. Was it a musical-themed cruise? No. Is that a thing? Oh, I guess that is a thing, huh? I, it is. I've it's... never had the chance to do one of those. Themed cruises are very popular. There's a Kiss-themed cruise for the band Kiss. Uh, there's a 311-themed cruise, believe it or not. But uh, Jill is motioning. What? I think there's a Weezer-themed There's a Weezer-themed cruise. That's right. For some reason, Weezer has their own cruise. But this Sail Across the Sun is a cruise that is devoted to the band Train. (laughs) Jill, I I do appreciate your input, but... (laughs) 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 
So Sail Across the Sun is a uh, a musical cruise focused on the band Train. Now, uh, I don't know a lot about the band Train. They had that song Drops of Jupiter. Liam, what's their other big hit? I've never heard of this band in my life. No, you you know definitely you have. It, they have that song that goes, "Hey, hey." That song, do you know what it is now? <laughs> no. What Can you, you sing that one more time? I didn't quite. Yeah. That. Look, Kimmy, if you want me to sing, I'm just gonna keep singing. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know how the rest of the song goes. <laughs> I, I can't quite. Kimmy, do you know the song I'm talking about? I think I do. <laughs> Great. I'm glad somebody does on this podcast. Liam, I thought you were a music guy. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Why would I know that? Well, I here's the thing. good music. Well, Train was a very popular uh, band a few years back with that Hey song I was just record, uh, just singing. And also the song Drops of Jupiter, which was a massive, humongous hit. Uh, Kemi, would you go on a, a cruise devoted to the band train no all right well that's a very straightforward answer but that (laughs) leads to a a follow-up question which is what band would you go on a cruise devoted to that is a good question and oh gosh i hope people don't judge me for this but oh no Mm. kemi this is an eric roberts themed podcast i don't think yeah, well, here's the thing. On these cruises, it's not just one band. It's also that band's favorite bands that accept the invitation. They're also there as well. So it's sort of like a, a genre that's built around a single band. So it, you could say one, but also the bands that are similar to that might join in. Okay, well, I'm going to say two. One will be sort of like North American people know them, which is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, God. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is uh, um, a band from Ivory Coast called Magic System. Okay. And I, well, I've, I, and I'm, I'm just going to prove my ignorance here. I have not heard Magic System, but I'll tell you what, we're going to put something from Magic System in between one of our breaks today just to make sure I get to hear them. Liam, can you imagine what a Red Hot Chili Peppers themed cruise might be like? I guess everyone would have, be, would have to be naked with socks on their dongs. What do you think? I knew, I knew it. I knew that's what you were going for. I was you just get a waiting. good 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a question for me? <laughs> I bet it would be like California themed, right? That sounds nice—a California themed cruise. It sounds pretty relaxing, Liam. Um, maybe it could be a maybe a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers walking tour of under various bridges in L.A. That that's oh, I get it. Play. It's a reference to one of their famous songs, Liam. Rank the members of Red no, Hot Chili Peppers. No. 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 Okay, just first okay. of all, Tell- first of all, the, admitting that I know more. That just uh, flee is like embarrassing. Even to no, do. it's not. Of course, it's not. Anthony Kiedis, flee the guy who looks like Will Ferrell and <laughs> John Frusciante. Right. I know who flee is. Right. Very good, Liam. One band in the world that you could share your vacation with on a week long cruise. The very exciting question. I want to hear your very exciting answer. <laughs> I think I'd have to go with the Mountain Goats. The Mountain Goats. Now, why is that? Now, their Mountain Goats is John Darnell. Uh, mostly, it's really just him, right? And he's a very clever 
gentleman, very witty. Is that why you'd want to be uh, stuck on a ship with him in the middle of nowhere? I mean, basically, yeah, my thought was that it it's the only um, – not the only, but – what the first musical act that occurred to me where I know that at least one person in the band is actually a charming human being I'd want to spend time with. That's um, interesting. And, and it made me think of uh, – because then when you when you had mentioned the musical cruise thing, what immediately occurred to me is the Joko cruise, which I forgot that I know about. But they always talk about it on all the Maximum Fun podcasts. So like that one seems more like a hangout party and less like a – uh, endless concert so like sorry can cruise... you can you elaborate elaborate on that what's a joko cruise oh um i don't even remember this guy's name there's a musician who has a cruise and he invites oh, right. a, he has he invites a bunch of famous people and a lot of them are comedians and it sounds like less so the only other music cruise i know is the metal cruise where there's just like mm-hmm metal bands playing the whole time that just sounds tiring <laughs> sounds um, like a fucking nightmare actually <laughs> yeah but the joker cruise sounds like more like you're actually hanging out and like um i mean not that famous people are gonna be i mean all these people are only semi-famous but um but it, the idea is that like that it would be less about um having to watch the mountain goats for hours and hours and hours or have them like playing when you're trying to eat dinner or some shit but like actually like interacting with people that where there's like structured ways for you to meet people and to do interesting things together that were not just a concert. That sounds better to me. That sounds like something that the mountain goats could do as opposed okay. to just like this band rips. I can't wait to watch them in a, in a, I mean, a lot of the music I like, I, I, I don't feel comfortable moshing on a cruise ship anyway. So I don't know why I even care to see them on a cruise ship. <laughs> Liam, I'm going to cut down that incredibly lengthy answer to that question. <laughs> but I do want to do a quick follow-up question, which is the most famous Mountain Goat song is called No Children. And you're a big fan, Liam, and yet you had a child. Any response? <laughs> First of all, that is mm-hmm. not the most famous Mountain Goat song. It certainly is. No, I would actually make a very strong argument that um, this is what uh, people want to hear. This is what people want to listen to on this <laughs> Grey's Anatomy themed Eric Roberts is the fucking man episode. Is this you year, ranking this... the famous Mountain Goat song? Whatever. Okay, then keep going. That I don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, I actually wanted to hear your feedback on that. You did have a child uh, against <laughs> the express wishes of the Mountain Goats. You are such a monster. Do you know that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Liam, back on March 12th, <laughs> Eric Roberts, for some reason, seemed to be tweeting about the television show Mad Men, very popular show from a few years back. Now, the odd thing about him tweeting about this is that he gave no context at all about the fact that he was watching Mad Men. There's no earlier tweet mentioning Mad Men. He just starts tweeting all of a sudden on March 12th, amazing actress, Kiernan Shipka, one child actor who was incredible and stayed so. Now, of course... uh, Kiernan is going to be playing, I believe, Sabrina the Teenage Wish, Witch in the upcoming uh, Netflix series. But he followed that up just a little bit later with January Jones played the most unlikable character. Now, I can put those two together and I can tell that he was watching the television show Mad Men. However, without that context at all, all he's saying is that January Jones was playing the most unlikable character. Liam, were you confused by this tweet? Um, no, I didn't see it when it went live. Mm. However, um, I think I would have been confused by it. Seems a little confusing. Uh, Kemi, were you a fan of the TV show Mad Men? Um, define the word fan. Were, have you ever watched the <laughs> television show Mad Men? 
Yeah, yes, I've seen it, it. I've seen all of the episodes. Well, and the fact that you do not vociferously <laughs> defend it would suggest to me that despite watching the entire series, you don't enjoy it very much. Well, I find I there's a lot. I have a lot of questions about it. Let's just put it that okay. way. Okay. Well, this is a Mad Men themed podcast. Look, I will get you up to speed on Mad Men similarly to how you're going to get us up to speed on Grey's Anatomy. So, episode one of Mad Men <laughs> starts. Oh, God, no. <laughs> John Hamm is with some beatnik woman, and they're having a conversation about something I can't quite remember. And then <laughs> I can't remember what happens, but I will tell you how it ends. It ends with the famous Coke commercial. I want to buy the world a Coke. Spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> yes. I really dislike that commercial. So, yeah. I think I think you can interpret that ending in a way that it's okay to dislike that commercial and still appreciate what they're trying to do. Sorry, I, I'm a little distracted right now. Jill has put a uh, uh, clothing on a, one of our cats. And it has a skirt, which is very interesting. <laughs> it looks great. It's it's surprisingly uh, appealing. <laughs> well, it's good. I like it very much. <clears throat> so uh, moving past Mad Men a little bit. Linda Gray and Eric Roberts join together for film project. This is exciting. Linda Gray from the iconic TV show Dallas is joining up with Academy Award and Golden Globe nominee Eric Roberts. They're going to star in an independent feature called Prescience. With uh, principal filming starting on May 21st. So just the day before we're recording this, it's possible, Liam, right now, Eric Roberts is recording with the great Linda Gray. That would be pretty great. Yeah. Now, now, Liam, were you a fan of the Dallas TV show? No. You know, a couple years ago, Liam, they brought back Dallas, and uh, one of the stars of it was John Travolta. I completely missed that. Yeah. uh, What was the platform? Like, what channel? What? 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 (laughs) <laughs> I'm not making this up. It was Dallas. It, in fact, when they brought it back, Larry Hagman, who played Jr. in the original Dallas, he came back, but then he died. But also, John Travolta was on it. Kemi, John Travolta. What do you think? Oh dear. Um, yay, I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's but fair. Now, to be honest, mm-hmm. I can't. Other than that one movie he was in, that musical movie he was in. Oh, I you're guess thinking he was of in the Grease film too. Oh, I thought Grease was the musical film that you were no, referring he, to. He did another one where he. Oh my god! Was he very he large was, in it? Was he a large yeah. female in this movie? I'm guessing you're yeah. talking about hair hairspray. <laughs> yep, that one. And then I think he was also in some like the general's daughter or something like that was he that was in the general's daughter that's very good yeah. with james woods he's kind of an interesting character that james woods yeah i was far too young when i watched that um and so i don't really remember what the movie's about but i remember being like this movie is intense there's a big twist in the general's daughter liam do you remember the big twist in that movie uh no i've never seen it Neither have I, but I understand there's a big twist in it. <laughs> but the thing I most remember about the general's daughter was that in the commercial for it, uh, there's this moment where John Travolta is in a jail cell and James Woods is visiting him. And he says something like, when you know that, then you'll know everything. And he, he gently strokes his hand across the bar right in front of John Travolta's face. And I thought it was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I couldn't wait to see the ads again because of how ridiculous it looked. I wonder, Liam, if it looks that ridiculous in the finished movie. I have no idea. I I would like to see it. 
In a first look, Cindy Crawford returns to the 80s for reserved SS18. So I don't know much about fashion. This might surprise some listeners of the show. But there is a uh, UK uh, fashion line, I guess, called Reserved. And they have hired Cindy Crawford for a new ad campaign called I Love You, Cindy. And it's a video, a two-minute video, that uh, is, I guess, supposed to highlight her uh, uh, renowned fashion sense. But the reason I'm bringing this up is not just because of my, uh, my, my well-known love for Cindy Crawford, but also because this short uh, film, or advertisement, I guess you should call it, features Eric Roberts in a small appearance. Uh, and I actually had both our guests today and my uh, co-host Liam O'Donnell watch this two-minute short advertisement. I want to get your thoughts. Kemi, what'd you think? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing. It's very colorful. It starts with Cindy Crawford dancing in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. And it's just fun. Like, it's just pure fun. It says, Liam, it says here in this this copy that I have... That one of the people she she uh, that's in this is Stranger Things actor Dacre Montgomery. Who is that, Liam? Yeah, you don't know who that is. That's uh, the dude with the, the dude. Um, is that the dude with the face? <laughs> no, <Sorry>. okay. the the <laughs> guy the gentleman who with the mullet from season two, who's like a the badass guy who awkwardly hits on the kid's oh, mom. I haven't seen season two yet. Is he in season one? No, he's only in season two. Well, now I don't know anything. Liam, what did you think of I Love You, Cindy? Uh, It made me realize how much that particular actor looks like a very young Rob Lowe, such that I was like, when he first appeared on camera, I thought, that's weird. They've done that digital thing to Rob Lowe's face when Cindy looks like Cindy Crawford. Like, why would they make him look all young? And then in another shot, he looks different. And I thought, oh, no, that's the guy from Stranger Things season two. Ah!" And so now I'm going to be seeing Rob Lowe every time I see him. So this is – it's a very strange uh, piece of advertising. It starts, as I mentioned, with Cindy Crawford dancing in a suburban neighborhood in a very pink suit. She's dancing uh, very freely, but I would say uh, slightly comically, I think intentionally so. But, you know, it's still very fun to watch. Then it transfers to people watching something – a program on TV. And this program is sort of kind of a 60s-styled futurism type thing where Eric Roberts is is there and he just has a kind of a single line where he's talking to an attractive young man. Is that attractive young man the Stranger Things actor, Liam? Um, is that him? I think so, I yes. Know. Yeah, it is. And then Cindy Crawford, he she comes into this scene and then where we find out that it's actually a film set, Cindy Crawford herself leaves and gets into a vehicle with a uh, puppet bug of some sort. Is that correct, Kemi? Yep, that's right. What what do you think about this bug, this uh, this talking Muppet thing? Well, that was, to be honest, that was the one part that I was like, I don't understand what's happening. But I, was, <laughs> I thought it was um, sort of like a, an homage to, oh, what's that TV show? The, the, not the Muppets, the, the one with the big bird? Sesame Street. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> but the Muppets as well. I think. I think you know it's all generally part of the Muppet universe. But uh, but Liam, were you surprised right. to see okay. a puppet appear out of nowhere? Um, no, because the the by that point the commercial had started to set somewhat of a goofy, I, I don't know, abstract tone, or or maybe I can uh, sort of coin this as a term. It is starting to feel a little old spicy. 
Ah. And so, oh yes, um, I see. And so, uh, uh, when the when the when the puppet showed up, I thought, ah, yes, this is this is where I thought this commercial was going from from that scene with Eric Roberts because all the different angles they were shooting Eric Roberts, it started to feel a little bit um, like an Old Spice commercial. That's, that's, that's very interesting you said. If you want to check out this uh, this piece of advertising for Reserved, we will link it in the show notes, of course. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2018's Girl Games, directed by Sean Patrick Cannon. It's described as uh, such in the IMDb profile. A beloved Hollywood star has the worst PR nightmare possible and is blacklisted. The women in his life orbit his quest towards redemption, settling down, or leaving an industry he loves an industry that now hates him. Uh, this film features Eric Roberts as Gareth. Also features the legendary uh, Kari uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa, who uh, you would recognize probably from any number of different roles, but I know him most as the bad guy from Mortal Kombat. Liam, what's another role I should uh, think of? I think he played Shredder at some point. Is that correct? I don't know who that is at all. I think you'd recognize his face. He has a very distinctive face, and he was in. And he played the kind of bad guy uh, Japanese and, uh, sadly, also Chinese roles in a lot of different movies in the 1990s. Huh. That's interesting. I'm sure I would recognize him, but for the, the picture in the notes, I don't recognize him at all. Kemi, from that description, is this a movie that you'd be interested in, this Girl Games? Uh, I feel like I would wait till it got on Netflix and then I would maybe <laughs> watch it. I wouldn't recommend buying a movie ticket, a $12 movie ticket to see this movie, which, I mean, look, I'm not, let's not mince words. This will not see a movie theater. Or if it does, it will it will, it will show in a very limited location that is not where I live and not where Kemi lives and certainly not where Liam lives. So, but which is not to say that we do not wish the best for Sean Patrick Cannon and Girl games. Uh, there's always, of course, the potential for that plot to uh, to develop into a very interesting film. Liam, will you be watching Girl Games? I mean, I will because we took a blood mm-hmm. oath. We took a we blood oath, Liam. All kinds of crap. So we took a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. So that means we have to watch 2018's Girl Games uh, coming soon to a VOD platform near you. It's time to take our first break, and when we return, we're going to be talking about Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, you forgot we were talking about that, but before we take our first break, Kemi, I need you to trace the beginning of Grey's Anatomy to where we are in season 13. Now, here's uh, let me tell you what I know about Grey's Anatomy. You you mentioned before, there's McSteamy, and who's the other mm-hmm. guy? McHammy? Uh, McRib, is that correct? <laughs> oh, McDreamy, yes. Uh, <laughs> And I knew uh, Catherine Heigl was on the show, and she complained yeah. about it, and she got thrown off the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the wonderful Canadian actress Sandra O oh was on the show. I think it was like it made her very very famous. And then she left the show, and yeah. uh, and McDreamy he left the show. <laughs> yeah is 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 anyone still on the show? Oh, there's a couple others. There's uh, Bailey and oh shoot, I forget his name. But there's a couple mm-hmm. other characters who have been there since like uh, uh, season one but very few okay well you're gonna have to provide us with some much needed context when we start talking about season 13 episode number 16 of Grey's Anatomy it is called who is he and what is he to you we're gonna be talking about that right after this (laughs) 
up on trying to save us. I hope we come up with a fail-safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us. I hope the fences we mended fall down beneath their own weight. And I hope we hang on past the last exit. I hope it's already too late. And I hope the junkyard a few blocks from here someday burns down. And I hope the rising black smoke carries me far away. And I never come back to this town again in my life. Jackson and April go to Montana to perform a complicated surgery on a young patient. It's episode 16 of season 13 of Grey's Anatomy, titled, Who is he, and what is he to you? Now, this episode is directed by Kevin McKidd, who plays Dr. Hunt on Grey's Anatomy. Again, a character I do not know who that is, and does not appear in this episode at all. But I do know Kevin McKidd because he played uh, Lucius Varenius, Varenus, Varenus. He played Lucius on the television series Rome as well as starring in the TV series Journeyman. I also remember him, Liam, because he appeared on an episode of Father Ted when he was very young uh, as a very nervous priest, if I remember correctly. This was uh, this episode was written by Elizabeth Finch, who has written lots of episodes of Grey's Anatomy, as well as episodes of True Blood and The Vampire Diaries. Now, I don't know anything about Grey's Anatomy except what I have picked up from this episode, and as uh, Kimmy has already alluded to, this is sort of an off-model episode because we have two of our main characters, Jackson and April. They have some sort of pre-existing relationship, and they go to Montana because they uh, they need to perform a surgery on a young woman, uh, a young child, really, uh, who has, I guess, some sort of tumor on her throat, and um, they are there to do a complicated surgery. They find out they cannot do it. But then the very handsome doctor has a brilliant idea on how to fix that. But we'll get into that in just a bit. The secondary plot involves Jackson, again, one of the main characters, reuniting with his long-lost estranged dad who runs a bar in Montana and is played by the actor Eric Roberts. Starting with my guest, Kemi. Kemi, what did you think, separate from the entire Grey's Anatomy series, what did you think of this particular episode? It was all right. <laughs> I, to be honest, the first time I watched it, uh, I didn't quite like it. But then I rewatched it again to prep for this, and uh, it's it's a little bit more nuanced that I gave it credit for the first time. I mean, I, I like both stories in terms of like the girl who needs the surgery to save her her larynx, I think it is, mm-hmm. or her throat, uh, and then the other story uh, that is, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson Avery, who's played by Jesse Williams, uh, gets meets his father for the first time in, I think, like thirty something years. So that was interesting too. It was. I'm sure it's much more interesting if you have some sort of history of this character, Jackson Avery. So he's a very privileged young man. Apparently, his family's very rich. They have their own plane. Even the hospital in Montana is named after his family. And this Jesse Williams character, who apparently is very popular in circles that I do not run in, uh, he's sort of of the lead in this episode. And kind of all the action surrounds him. And he's very brooding. And he's kind of a jerk. And But also, I guess, very brilliant because he comes up with the idea that saves this young girl. But Liam, I want to hear your thoughts on this episode, separated from everything else you know about Grey's Anatomy. Um, well, 
I appreciated it because I appreciate Jesse Williams. He um, isn't the most compelling actor, but he's very charming and he's very attractive. Um, and I went in somewhat skeptical because right away um, this feels like a familiar uh, everything about this. So there's the estranged father storyline feels very familiar. And then though I've never watched Grey's Anatomy, I've watched enough episodes of other medical shows to, to get the whole, Oh no, we have this problem and how are we going to fix it? And so everything from afar felt very, um, familiar in a not fun way and yet by the time the episode was over i was kind of wrapped up in it i'm not gonna lie like it, it it's sort of one of those things where this sort of television writing is something i think i avoid um to some extent not because i don't like it but because it it, it sometimes feels like effective to me in a way that's uh, unearned, you know, so I don't know this character. I don't have a history with this character, but just like the way it kind of crescendos at the end emotionally, I, you know, I, it's, it kind of tickles me in a little, I kind of into it. So I, I feel like if, um, if Susan still watched the show, she's watched a lot of it, but she's behind on it. If she still watched it and she wanted a partner to watch it with her, I think I would, I think I could enjoy it uh, over time. Now that we're in 14, seasons i think it's you know I, I have enough other things going on that i'm not going to jump in and, and catch up with Grey's anatomy but um but i i, I don't know i kind of appreciated all those beats all those emotional beats that were there even though it feels at least the way that i think of the storytelling it just feels a little um i don't know how to put it manipulative maybe like it, it's, i thought wrote i mean again yeah manipulative but also you know very by the numbers, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's sort of what you would expect and certainly what you implied there, Liam. Well, and I really liked the um, one of the lesser, or I just want to say lesser, but one of the less obvious characters is the the parents of the child who needs mm-hmm. the surgery. Mm-hmm. They were both pretty good, and the one was great. And like her, the, the way she uh, interacts with uh the doctors I really appreciate it. So, you know, there's definitely charming things here to appreciate about the episode, but it is, I, again, it's hard to know if I would, if I would enjoy the show, this episode more or less, if I was a fan of Grey's Anatomy. Kenny, back to you for a moment. Jackson and April have some sort of relationship. In fact, at the end of this episode, they're celebrating so much that they end up in bed together, which is a very dramatic thing to happen. What is their history? (laughs) <laughs> so uh Jackson and April used to be married and in this episode they are separated. So that the so at the very start when Jackson is in the car with his mom and they're talking about Harriet, like the daughter, um that is their daughter to, that they had together. Uh oh. but they're I think they just recently separated, so that's why things are super tensiony between them. If that's not even a word, but I just made it into a word. <laughs> what was the reason for separating? Ooh, I don't remember, but I do remember that uh, they were together, um, and they had or they had conceived a child, and then um, uh, April, uh, I believe, had a miscarriage. So that was really traumatic on their relationship. So I can't remember if 
that was the reason why they broke up, but there was something more. Um, but, I mean, they never really made sense as a couple anyway, so it was bound to happen. But yet this episode brings them back together as a potential couple once again. Yeah, just for the night, though. Sorry. She's kind of boring. Is she boring on the show, or is she just boring in this episode? No, just in this episode. She's usually... She usually... I mean, well... She's friend, friend she's of the show, Candace. Knows. Friend of the show, Candace Shaw said that she is a boring, bad character. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. She's not the most exciting uh, character on the show, but one thing I do like about her is that she, um, uh, usually in TV shows nowadays, like to have doctors who are are religious in sort of any faith is kind of like taboo. But she does follow uh, a religion. Uh, and she's pretty, you know, pretty devout about it, but is still able to, like, um, perform her duties as a doctor separate from that religion. Uh, so I think that's interesting. And she's she's usually the pep. She's usually the the doctor that's like, come on, guys, we can do it. And she provides a nice counterpoint to the very kind of dark and brooding character of Dr. Avery, played yeah. by Jesse Williams. Liam, as our religious representative on this show, what do you think about this character that has a, uh, d- a divine faith that also works in a hospital where she must be surrounded by death and depression all the time? I I mean, that seems pretty believable. I don't know what you want me to say about that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I didn't get any of that from the episode. I don't that yeah, this, me either. <laughs> this particular episode doesn't give her much space uh, other than sort of um, being the the prod for Jesse Williams' character, for Avery to make some right decisions. She sort of helps him get there, uh, but she doesn't get a chance to do much more than that, which is, you know, I don't know. I, maybe that works for the show. I'm not sure. Uh, but, man, as soon as they are back in that hotel, uh, that, the scene you mentioned, Doug, <laughs> As soon as they're in the hallway, oh, so I was watching this with my wife, and they're in the hallway. Sue just goes, "Ooh!" Like she just knew, and you know, I just is this is this a uh, is this like a I, I don't know. It just seems like uh, there's something about it. I was just kind of like, it's th- that. What is it about the TV shows where you see those two characters, not even knowing? I don't know their history. I mean, obviously, I knew they had been together because they are at a certain point in the show waving to a child. So, like, <laughs> unless unless she just knows his kid really well, clearly this is their child. Um, but just seeing them in the hall in that scene, I was like, oh, this is when that happens when they end up together. And that that's uh, a lot of these shows seem to have those like. Um, you know, the person you can't let go of, the person sure. who's like in your past, but you're still somewhat connected to. So that that kind of that was was uh, something I could see coming a little bit. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know that she like you said, I don't know if she's that interesting in this episode, um, but I also I don't think her performance is bad. They just don't give her anything to do. It's yeah. really about him and his struggle. I will say I've watched too much depressing television. So when they were laying in the bed in post-coital bliss, I thought for sure they were going to get a call to say that the girl that they did the surgery on ended up dying. Like it was just going to like take it away at the very end. But no, she ended up being okay. And I want to talk about this surgery that happens in the uh, episode. As you mentioned, Liam, we have the uh, the parents of the the young girl. And they're very upset because they've been kind of jerked around by doctors who've made all these promises. They brought in Dr. Avery and Dr. Kepner, who are supposed to be like the experts and are going to do this life-saving surgery. But then they do some tests and find out they can't do the surgery. 
these parents are going to pull this girl out of the hospital and bring their, her to another hospital, which these doctors do not want him to do. So Dr. Avery, he he lies. He says that he has a brilliant idea in order to fix her, which I'm, I guess this happens with surgeons all the time. They just come up with new techniques. Um, <laughs> and and so he, he says later that he lied. He doesn't have a great new technique. But then later he comes up with the great technique, Liam. Liam, what does he come up with? Well, because they <laughs> yeah. can't give her a, 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 a vocal cord transplant, right? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. going to make her vocal cords out of her guts. So this, this, there's not even a chance of rejection. You can't reject your own guts. Can't. Your guts are your guts. So why not put them in your throat? I mean, it's the classic uh, legend. It's the maxim that we all live by. Why not put guts in throat? The question I have, starting with you, Kimmy... Is this possible? <laughs> Can you take oh. your guts? Yeah, is it? Okay. I mean, I don't have much of a strong <laughs> medical background, but I can't imagine this show would, would come up. I mean, it seems kind of revolutionary that this is something that I imagine people struggle with, but you can just use your guts. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty common – I mean, I should, I should preface it by saying that my mom is a doctor, so I feel like through osmosis I know these things. Um huh. But I, I mean, do I legitimately think it's possible? Who knows? But this is a pretty common theme in Grey's Anatomy. But one thing that would be helpful to know is that so Jackson Avery, uh, the main dude doctor, mm-hmm. um, he is the son of Catherine Avery, who yes. is uh, super rich, like mega billionaire rich. Because she was like this fantastic doctor and she came up with all these super new methods that, um, you know, like revolutionized the medical field. And there is an award named after her that only the best and brightest surgeons win. So it would make sense that her progeny is also uh, the super smart doctor who can come up with these revolutionary techniques while tossing a ball in some like dungeon room <laughs> in a hospital. I feel like doing an experimental technique on a young girl and promising that her, her parents that this is going to work. And of course it does work, but it just seems like that's not like did has no one yeah. really thought of this before? <laughs> and it's weird because he totally abuses his power and says, "Well, my name's on, you know, my this hospital's named after <laughs> my family." So I'm going to give me permission to do that, which, like, I'm pretty sure violates at least one or two medical, like, ethics codes. Here's, here's, I mean, here's, here's the thing, though, Doug. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched the show House? Uh, I've seen a couple <laughs> of episodes of the show House, but I, I have to be honest with you. I was expecting something a bit more realistic here compared to House because House no, no, is no, no, played no. almost well, – oh, okay, Liam. You, sh- you tell me, please. No, in the sense that, yeah, of course it's got to be a little more realistic than House, but you are underestimating how batshit crazy House was compared to House. This basically is a documentary. Like, like the fact that America swallowed House for as long as it did – any medical show can do anything at this point, and any doctor could do anything. Like the the various lies and abuses of power he does on this show are like, you know, the how those are like the house episodes where House has got his shit together and he's being a good person. Like this is nothing. Like after that, you know, my man House would like. Uh, commit mail fraud, abuse you emotionally, try to kill himself, and then invent a new way of 
doing surgery all in like a half hour, basically. <laughs> so, you know, I was watching this and like, yeah, in my back of my brain, I go, that's probably not a real thing. But I could totally swallow it because I watched all of House from episode one to episode done. I watched that shit. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you could rip out any part of anybody's body, twist it and turn it a little bit, put it in another part. House did it. It seems all right to me. They do the surgery and like literally what appears to be a couple of hours later, this girl who apparently has not been able to speak for a very, very long time, she's able to say mama or not, not mama. She says mama or something or mom. And, uh, um, and I don't know if in the context of this sort of very traumatic seeming surgery, if that would be possible, but it does end things on a very heartwarming moment. That was not like I suspected taken away with the girl dying just a scene later. But we need to talk about the other story being told here. Okay, so I have some context now. Uh, Jesse Williams' character, Jackson Avery, he's the daughter. He's the daughter, sorry. He's the son of a very famous surgeon who is a billionaire and she owns everything, including the hospital. He has gone to Montana both to take part in the surgery, but also to meet up with his long estranged father, who was also a doctor and also a surgeon, but got out of the life to run a bar in Montana. So the the core, the emotional core of this is that uh, Jesse Williams' character is first upset that his father doesn't recognize him. Then he's upset that his father is so nice, despite him having a lot of hard feelings about his father leaving him when he was young. And then it culminates in him getting the last word and basically saying that he will never have a relationship with his father. His father will never have a relationship with his daughter and that he basically does not want him in his life at all. I don't see how it's a win for anyone involved, but the, the show kind of paints it as a win. I want to go back to you, Kimmy. This was obviously uh, would have more resonance if I was more familiar with the character. But were you confused at all by how that relationship played out? Or was it just, oh, yeah, I mean, Eric Roberts' character was an asshole, so he deserved everything he got. Yeah, no, when I first watched it, I was like, come on, Jackson. You go all the way there to meet your dad and you don't even give him a chance. And then the second time I watched it, I thought I actually thought about it from Jesse's point of view. Where sure. like growing up with that this person who, you know, seemingly, uh, like, abandoned you. Um, so that's, like, years of resentment, years of feeling abandoned. So I think his reaction was probably the most realistic thing out of anything in that episode, right? Where you think you're going to go Absolutely. meet someone and you have these expectations that, that at least your dad would recognize you or at least give you, like, if he didn't recognize you, at least give you a second look to be like, why do you look kind of familiar or... <laughs> Um, to, to Eric Roberts' defense, they do not look anything alike. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. is kind of strange because the, the episode does present Eric Roberts' character, Robert Avery, as being very nice and apparently very genuinely nice and sincere. And he's very honest with his son about why he left, which, of course, doesn't excuse the fact that he left his young son when he was a, a, a child. But, you know, it, it, it seemed like it was setting up a thing where – he was going to kind of move past that, and if not repair a relationship with his father, to at least say, you know, I'm glad I did this. I'm going to go back to my life. You go on with yours, and maybe we'll 
keep in touch. But no, the whole kind of crux of it is, fuck you, old man. I'm going to go tell my mom how much I love her because she was there for me and she's a billionaire. Um, but you know, I, I guess I was a little confused emotionally. Maybe a rewatch would uh, would kind of click things into place. Liam, what did you think of that that kind of core B story here? I feel like it's just unfair for us to evaluate it because it only makes sense if you've seen the character dealing with this loss in sure. a serious way. So like, this is a much more fraught moment. The moment in and of itself, it, it doesn't seem to call for that kind of emotional response at all. It, it left me very confused in the sense of like, you know, you are there. Why not at least hear what happened, you know, like what went down. Um, but I do think part of it, the here's the deal is that part of what Eric Roberts does start to say is talk about the problems with him and, and Jesse Williams characters, mom, um, and so that's probably not something he wants to hear per se. Sure. Um, but again, as somebody who doesn't watch the show, I also don't know what that mom character is like. I don't know if, if Eric Roberts saying like, well, your mom is just a lot is like a fair description or not. You know what I mean? Like it, it could entirely, uh, part of me suspected that maybe it's a setup for another appearance down the line where, they connect again and whatever, and they get more chance to interact. Um, but it, I also realize I have a limited scope as to like who this mom is, who really Jesse Williams character is. Like we get a picture of who he is in this episode for sure, but it's not complete enough for me to really understand like how much is at stake for him in that moment and what is sort of underneath it. You know, I will say that if I was the parents of that young girl who basically, uh, will either lose her ability to speak forever or alternatively die. The the thought that the surgeon who's who's trying to save her is not only incredibly distracted, but also getting drunk at a bar down the road <laughs> instead of have, trying to come up with like a genius solution, which he does come up with. But, you know, I always I kind of thinking about the two plots together, I could see if the people in the first plot were more aware of what was going on in the second plot, they, they'd probably be really pissed off about it. Well, and I also think that it, all of this is like at this heightened uh, time relationship, which like very rarely would happen in actual medicine. You know what I mean? Like he's got to resolve all hey, this feels like a long weekend as opposed to <laughs> the weeks and months of tests one actually needs before they do something like this. Uh, but it, but, you know, on the episode itself, it kind of works. It tells the story. It kind of communicated what it needed to even without us having all the context. I still was like, OK, I understand what's happening to some extent, you know. Kimmy, can you give us a little more insight into this character of Catherine Avery, uh, Jackson's mother? Uh, what kind of character is she on the show? Well, so, I mean, you saw very little bit of her when she uh, takes him to the airport and then picks him back up. Yes, um, she, seems, she, she seems a little, is, she, like, she kind of plots to put him and April together. Yeah, so she's very, uh, well, and depending on the way you look at it, she's manipulative or she's very, like, she just tries to create these moments, right? So she can either be super romantic or you can think that she's being super manipulative. She's very driven. I'll give you that. She, uh, so I think what I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure it was his dad was the one that actually had the money, but she took that money that he had and transformed it into this like multi-billion uh, dollar, whatever it is. So she is the one that like worked really hard and she came from nothing. Uh, well, I shouldn't say nothing, but that's the expression people say. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so she's very driven. She knows what she wants and she goes for it and she's unapologetic about it. So I think for some people, they might see that as like, whoa, you're super overbearing. Whereas some other people would just see it as, you know, this woman knows what she wants and she's going for it and she's not going to let anything uh, stop her from it. Uh, uh, much, um, uh, specifically not a person that she's married to who doesn't seem as driven as she is. Um, sure. So uh, I think, but so her his dad, uh, Jesse's dad is not the only one to have uh, characterized his mom that way. Um, but I mean, it's not uncommon for women who were driven to be uh, sort of described as like not good people. <laughs> so, and it does seem like the kind of uh, ending of this episode is based around Jesse Williams' character kind of gaining a new appreciation for his mother and I guess the sacrifices that she made after the beginning of the episode, it seemed like they were a little at odds, maybe because of that manipulation. He at least seems to appreciate uh, her intentions behind it. And it's, it seems like he does experience some sort of closure, though it is a, a little bit odd, I guess, in the context of someone who hasn't experienced him in the rest of the series. But this does bring us to the very idea of this podcast, which is the actor, Eric Roberts, Kimmy, I know you have not seen a lot of the work of Eric Roberts comparative to his entire filmography. What did you think mm-hmm. of his performance as Robert Avery here? Uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. I mean, yeah, I thought it was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about per se, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I thought his character suited him well. I see him playing this character. Um, this type of character often. Um, it kind of reminded me of him when he played uh, Shane's dad in The L Word. So I Absolutely. thought they were pretty similar characters. Just sort of like laid back, chill, you know, not going to stress about too much in life kind of character. So yeah, I thought it was fine. It's interesting that you bring that up. It is a very similar character to Shane's father on that episode of The L Word, which we've talked about on a previous episode. But of course, in that episode, it's revealed later that even though he seems kind of nice and kind and has this family life, that he's actually like this womanizing prick who who isn't quite what he seems. Here, he does seem to be at least a sincerely nice person, uh, even if yeah. he even if his attitude towards life did not uh, kind of took him out of. I shouldn't say took him. I mean, he made the decision to to leave his wife and his young son. So uh, I can certainly see why hard feelings would exist. But you know, he, he is not presented in any way negatively outside of that. Liam, what did you think of the Eric Roberts performance we got here? Um, it was pretty good. I mean, I I think that uh, he isn't given a lot to do. He's just sort of um, kind of blandly charming. I kind of uh, would have liked if there was some sort of turn like he had on the L word, you know, like if 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 it, you know, there was a moment for him to be kind of like maybe not like gross, but, you know, just not quite uh, uh, entirely a good dude. I think I think I would have. Uh, like that as a as a plot point but he works in the role uh despite you know as you pointed out him and jesse williams looking like they are could never be related in any way (laughs) (laughs) i do like that they gave him some pathos at the end when he is told by jesse really kind of brutally that uh that he will never get to know his granddaughter that that he'll never be part of that um 
you can sort of see on his face that he's crushed by the very idea. But I think it kind of works against the episode because I did feel a little bit of sympathy for him because I feel like he was like getting all of this negativity, which again, he, he very likely deserves. But in the context of the episode, all we've seen him be is nice. So I, I felt really kind of sorry for him. So I guess that might be a testament to um, Eric Roberts' ability to kind of bring that genialness to the role. But uh, but I don't know if in the context of this particular episode, if it really works. Like you said, Liam, maybe something that made him look a little darker might have actually helped. It helped us kind of uh, uh, appreciate Jackson's point of view a little bit more. And I know I'm going back and forth between calling him Jackson and Jesse. But hey, I'm new to this whole thing. But that brings us to the question, the core of what we're talking about, the very idea of this podcast, the very uh, question that the, the title of this podcast asks. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode of Grey's Anatomy? Going to start with our guest, Kimmy. Is Eric Roberts no. the fucking man? No. Okay. Whoa. I no, 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 no. I want Liam to answer first. <laughs> Why? Because I, I always go first. I want to. I, I, I you, you are the guest. Liam's point of view is immediately uh, rejected by me. And honestly, I'm not even sure I want to hear it. But, but since you are the guest and you have insisted. Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he's the guy you call in and it's like, hey, we need a, a charming older guy who we believe found being a surgeon just too stressful, man. He just couldn't handle it. <laughs> so he just opened a friggin' bar in Montana. Sure, that makes sense. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the perfect dude to do that. Like, it, he is... He, is good for this role. I I wish he was given a little more to do and he was fleshed out a little more, but you know, he's good at what he does in this in this particular role. I guess what you're we're saying is Shonda Rhimes, if you are listening to this episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you got to bring back Eric Roberts and have him uh, developed a little more as a character and uh, maybe make him a regular on season 15 if maybe <laughs> there is going to be a season 15. Kemi have you changed your perspective on what you are going to say now that you've heard Liam first? <laughs> no, I haven't, but it was still good to hear it. <laughs> uh, I think he is a man. I don't know if he's the man, um, but I, you know, I give him 4.5 stars out of five for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'll be honest that that does kind of approach the fucking man territory, but I, I you, you, you're going to stick to your guns and just call him a man, not a fucking man. Hey, I respect it. I'll go along with it. I'm going to say that, of course, he's a fucking man, which, of course, gives us two and a half fucking men. The famous sitcom with Charlie Sheen. Oh, no. <laughs> which, mercifully, Eric Roberts has not appeared on. Um, oh, God. Eric Roberts is the fucking man on uh, season 13, episode 16 of the show Grey's Anatomy. I, I was entertained while I was watching it, I have to admit. I did find the medical aspect of this episode to be slightly ridiculous, but also oddly affecting, mostly because of the performance from of the uh, the uh, actresses playing the parents of the uh, of the young girl. Uh, I did like kind of the the pathos on the other side of things. I did kind of get wrapped up in the drama, even if I was a little confused by it. I would suggest if you're a fan of Grey's Anatomy, hey, you check it out. If you are a lapsed fan of Grey's Anatomy, this might be a way to get back into the series. And I'll also say 
that if you have never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy, this is probably a good one to jump on with because it doesn't really require a lot of backstory to understand what's going on. I think if you've listened to this episode, you've gotten all the backstory you need. But with that said, we're going to take our final break. When we return, uh, we're going to talk to Kimmy. We're going to do a little plugging and we're going to say goodnight. And that was episode number 71 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thanks to our guest, Kemi Akapa, who took time out of her very busy schedule to join us on the show today. Kemi, what have you been up to lately and where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, What have I been up to lately? Uh, Work. I work a lot. Uh, volunteering as well. Uh, I just came back from a trip from Costa Rica. Um, but if you want to know more, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Kemi underscore Acapo. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> oh, well, of course. Wait, I am oh, yeah. planning something for the future, but I can't quite reveal what it is yet. If we reveal were doing this next, no. Well, when does this air? Oh, th- months down the line. <laughs> Really? No, it's no, it'll be coming out in just a few days. But I feel uh, like it's no. very important now that you've teased. Okay, at the very least, if people follow you on Twitter, will you be revealing this thing there? Yes. So what we're telling people is follow Kemi on Twitter and find out what this secret project that she's teasing right now is going to be. Moving over to Liam. Liam, I know you've been a very busy man. You're trying to keep your whole kind of deal together. I really appreciate it. I know that over on your Twitter feed, at Liam Rules, that's R-U-L-Z, you're always tweeting about various things that are very personal and that I don't really want to hear about, but I think that listeners want to hear about. (laughs) I I always try to discourage people on this podcast from following me on Twitter, and yet you always insist on telling them to do it. But you hate Uh following me on Twitter. No, I don't. I love Liam. Liam, let's make something very clear. We have fun here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the podcast about actor Eric Roberts. But, of course, we have, a, uh, I think, a very warm and genial relationship. And I love hearing about your life. And, and though I don't like hearing that you struggle sometimes, Liam, I do like to, uh, to know what's going on. And if I feel like I can help in that struggle, I certainly want to, 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 uh, to move in that direction. So, of course, I love following you on social media. Of course I do, Liam. I feel like you just want you want funny jokes and videos. Well, I like funny jokes and videos, Liam. I'm not going to lie; I do enjoy both <laughs> funny jokes and videos. But I also love the personal side. It's like it's like my own episode of Grey's Anatomy playing out in real time. We get the drama, we get the strange medical emergencies, we get all of it. Um. Well, no one's used my uh, butt to create a throat yet, so we'll see what happens. The night is young, Liam. Liam, what else has been going on over at Cinepunks? Um, well, you have a regular series that I hear there's going to be an update on soon. 
um, with uh, I can plug Adriana. my own stuff. I can plug my own stuff. Thank you. Well, but that's no exactly. But that's a Cinepunks thing now, man. <laughs> you put it on my website; it belongs <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, we uh, hopefully we're finally going to. So for a while now, we've been trying to get Liam O'Donnell onto. Uh, an that's you. You are Liam O'Donnell. What nope. is this nonsense? <laughs> nope. We were trying to get the director <laughs> Liam O'Donnell, um, but we yeah, just so much scheduling issues. But I think we're talking to him this. Uh, tomorrow i think we're talking to him oh, tomorrow so okay. that should be good and then we're actually uh probably gonna have on a uh, friend of the show former guest uh ryan prowse uh soon oh. as well because he's doing stealing a... ideas from eric roberts well he's doing man. a screening in new york and he's a good dude okay. yeah but our episode will be bad i mean you just talked to him about eric roberts we'll have a good episode <laughs> I, so. I sure did i wasted his time talking about eric roberts it's what we do on this podcast Liam. and by the way i did tell that other liam liam o'donnell the director of beyond skyline that i preferred him as a liam o'donnell to you i appreciate that mm-hmm I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people do, at least uh, certainly Skyline fans do, because then yeah. um, I couldn't give them that. Yeah, no, but I'm aware of both of you, and I still said it. Okay. Well, I appreciate right. that. Well, say hi to Ryan for me. Yeah, that's probably next. I think next weekend we're going to try to talk to him. Liam, over at Cinepunks, as you referred to, I have a uh, project uh, with the wonderful Adriana Gober where we're going through the filmography of Pier Paolo Pasolini, the famous Italian director. Uh, we're going through his work uh, in chronological order. We just recently had a uh, small discussion about Mama Roma, his second film, and that should be appearing on the Cinepunk site in the uh, next week or so, maybe next couple of weeks, having a really good time doing that project. He's a director I've always really enjoyed, and his work can be very challenging, but it's very interesting to kind of uh, go through it in, in the context of the time that it was made. And of course, you can find out more, Liam and Kemi, and everyone listening, about Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at ericrobertsistheman.com. You can subscribe on uh, iTunes, maybe leave us a review. We'd appreciate it very much. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can also find Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Facebook. Just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man. But finally, you can follow both myself and the actor Eric Roberts on Twitter. You can start with him at Eric Roberts, all one word, then move over to me. It's Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L. E, why? But with that said, we need to close up the Eric Roberts bag for another week. We will return in just a little bit with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 